Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Today's message is called Finding Rest for Your Weary Soul. I don't know about you, but uh, it just seems like God is continuing to remind me that we need to run to Him for understanding. We need to run to Him for strength. We need to run to Him to be able to know what to say in these days where no matter what you say, someone's going to take it the wrong way. And the thing is, is that maybe someone in here today, like me, maybe like you, just needs a good rest stop, a good place to pull over. You see, we don't really appreciate rest stops until we need them, right? I mean, anyone who travels outside of the town of Anderson County and gets on an interstate has stopped at a rest area before. Now, I would be hard-pressed to count all of the rest areas that I have stopped at during my travels, but I do know the most important rest stop is what? The next one when you need it. (laughs) That is the most important rest stop. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that some of you may have had parents or spouses that they refused to stop at any kind of rest area. Some of you, your bladders would bust before your driver would stop. And then I do remember, though, an older gentleman telling me, well, you know what? The older you get, you're never going to pass up a good bathroom. So those are some words to live by, young folks. But the truth of the matter is, is that in rest areas, we stretch our legs out, right? We use the restroom. We get a snack. We maybe check out the vehicle. And sometimes you may walk a pet or even catch a few minutes of rest if you're dozing off just to kind of reinvigorate yourself. But we all need a rest stop today, folks. We're all going down the highway of life. And as we travel down the interstate of life, it is important that we see our days Speeding by faster and faster. You see, our reflection in the mirror changes over the years. It's so gradual. Many of you, the reflection that you see today is not the same that it was yesterday. Certainly not a year ago or five years ago or more. And the thing is, is that as our reflections change and as we get older, our priorities change, do they not? And honestly, the older we get, i got news for you, young folks. The older you get, the more stuck in your ways you're going to become. It's just something we have to fight against. Isn't that right, older people? Okay, that's what I thought. And don't go messing with your routine, right? But the Bible says a lot about the subject of rest. And and I can't exhaustively say everything in one sermon, but I, I do want to look at a few key concepts when it comes to rest. I would like to share with you a few scriptures this morning. So join me in seeking some biblical rest. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our message today. I'm thankful that each person that is here and that is socially distanced enough, Lord, where they can be in God's house and continue to worship. And for those that may be worshiping by Facebook Live or may be watching this video later, Lord, I'm thankful for them. I pray you work in their lives as well. And if there is one person here that would say, you know what? I do need some rest. May they find it today in you, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the first thing that we see about rest is that God sets a precedence for rest. God set a precedence. In other words, 
He started the fact to know, to make us know, to let us know that rest is an important thing. I know when you're young, you don't want to rest. You want to, you go to sleep for a couple hours and you get up in the morning and you're ready to go, right? You always got something to do. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes the best thing we can do is rest. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation and he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So what we see here, according to this passage, that resting is all a part of being holy. Is all a part of being holy. Now, some of you may not feel holy. Some of you may feel holier than thou. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, what does holy mean, church? Holy means set apart. Holy means that, that God is taking one day after he has done all these things to set some time and rest and reflect on everything that he's done to get ready to move into the future. And so, after God created the universe, including man and woman, he took time to rest. This is where we get a concept of what the Ten Commandments call the Sabbath. And when the scripture says in here, so he rested, another translation of that would be so he Sabbathed. Now, you may remember God's commandment. If you don't, you can look in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Some of you are saying, Amen. This includes you, your sons and your daughters and your male and your female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he set it apart. As being holy. For some of you, your Sabbath day is Sunday. You come to church and maybe you get some lunch, take a nap, hang out with your family, do whatever you do, and that's your day of rest. But maybe those in the ministry or those that have things to do on Sunday, Sunday is not a day of rest. So they, they take another day of the week to just make sure the batteries are recharged, taking time to step out of the fray of things. Now, do you remember the blue laws? Some of the younger ones might not know what blue laws are, but the older folks do. But blue laws are laws prohibiting certain activities, such as shopping, going to restaurants, selling alcohol, and those kind of things on Sundays. But some believe that they are called blue laws because when they were originally written, they were written on blue paper. That's why they're called blue laws, according to urban legend. But now we have come full circle to where many states have abolished blue laws. People can shop, they can eat, they can drink, and they can do everything they want while neglecting the importance of seeking God and resting. People are more convicted about being able to drink on Sunday than to be able to worship on Sunday. 
And God is telling us, look, you work hard all these days of the week. It's important for you to take a moment to rest. How do we know it's important to him? Because he did it himself. Why do we rest? Why do we rest? We rest to refresh. Can you say that? We rest to refresh. If you try to say it fast, you might get your tongue tied, right? That's why I had to do it slow, so I didn't look stupid. But we live in a fast-paced world, do we not? Can I get an amen on that? Even with COVID virus going on. I mean, some for some of us, you know, when it was in lockdown and we had to work from home, some of you are still working from home. You know, when Before COVID hit, some of you are thinking, man, I sure would like to work from home. And then COVID hit, you're like, man, I sure would like to go back to work. But the thing is, is that the, the pace does not slow down. If anything, if you're working at home, you never get a break. The room that you go into to to veg out on the computer and watch YouTube videos is now where you do your work. And so you have no place to go rest. And see, back in the day, when the blue laws were around, people slept late. Families prepared and ate meals together. Families, they would look for places to go outside where they could be together. People began seeking God and understanding and enduring through these days. People were resting for the first time in a long time. And I hope and I pray that if there's anything that this COVID-19 response has done for us as a world, us as America, but just us as individuals, is remember these days. You may not think it now, but, but kids, when you get older, you're going to remember these days of being with your family. Because there are people here today that would say, I wish I had one more minute with them. And you're going to remember these days of how close it was. And you may have actually even sat at the table and ate a dinner. You might have actually had to talk to each other. You might have actually just had to go take a nap because you were bored. That's resting, folks. And people were resting for the first time in a long time during this COVID thing. But God showed us that rest is important and that it's right. And that Jesus, his disciples, even he and his disciples withdrew from the crowds to rest and re-energize. Because here's the thing. Resting refreshes us for the purpose of living the life God has called us to. The reason we rest is for God to refresh us, to allow us to live the life he has called us to. I'm telling you what, one of the most miserable places to be is to be a believer and be burned out. Some people say, oh, you just need to pray more and it'll get that burnout away. Not all the time. Some of the people that are suffering burnout are the ones that are most busiest in the church to start with. You know, they got their name on every committee. They come every time the church doors are open. And, and so it's, it's, it's not just, you can be busy with good things. You can have a million ball teams that you're playing on. You used to have academic things that you have to do when the schools were open. But you've got work schedules. You've got so many people going in many different directions. It's hard just to stay, take a moment and say, let's rest. But where do you find rest? It sounds like something a preacher would say, but it's the truth. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30. You will find rest in Jesus Christ. You will find rest in Jesus Christ. And we see in verses 20 through 24 that the reason so many people are tired, the reason this world is tired and in unrest 
is because of the evilness of sin. You see, the toll of sin is excruciating. And it is eternal as well. Let me tell you what I mean. Matthew 20, verses 20 through 24 says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where they had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. And then he says in verse 21, What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in the wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. See, what's happening here is that Jesus is actually ministering in towns like Chorazin and Bethsaida, they are seeing him literally do miracles. They are watching him work, and still they don't believe. Jesus is saying, look, these other towns, Tyre and Sidon, they didn't even see me. And if, if they would have believed, it would be different. But the thing is, he says in verse 23, And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead, which is Hades which is hell. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. So what does this mean for us? It means that resting in Jesus is a choice that you make for yourself. To rest is a choice that you make. That means maybe cutting off the television, putting down the phone, Doing something where you say, look, I know I'm tired. I'm just going to put this down and I'm going to get some rest. All of us, I know we have busy schedules. We have people pulling at us all the time. But you have the right to say no. Because when you say no to something, that gives you the right to say yes to something else. If you say no, I don't need to go shopping at the same store I go to all the time. I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to rest today. That is the choice that you can make. And see, Jesus does not mince words here. The cities of Tyre and Sidon were known as places that had a long-standing reputation for living in sin. Matter of fact, you can see in the Bible that God destroyed those cities. He destroyed them. He leveled them because they were evil and had no intention of serving God. My friend, the further away from God this world gets the closer we come to his judgment. You understand that, right? The further our world gets away from God and away from God's word is the closer we get to his judgment. And judgment will happen. We live like it won't, but it will. If you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, you believe that he walked this earth, you believe that he died for you, and you can raise your hand singing an Easter song, then you better rip your heart out and pray in remorse that he is coming back, and people will be judged. You can't have one without the other. And unless we rest and take time to reflect on those things, we are going to live this life like there is no hell, and like everything's about us, and we are going to get blindsided. This passage is not just for those people that don't go to church. These are for people that go to church as well. Ronald Reagan, whether you like him or love him or even know him, he was one of our presidents. He said this, and man, when I saw this, I thought, 
That's pretty, pretty intense. He says, we must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than the lawbreaker. It is time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for his actions. If we were to go back to that and understand that we don't need to blame culture. I, I hear Christians say all the time, oh, this world is just too tough. It, we, we can't live a Christian life. So you're telling me this world is more tough than Jesus Christ? And people say, well, well this movement and that movement, and, and I'm doing this because of what this movement says and that movement says, or, you know, I'm this way because everybody else told me I'm this way, whatever it may be. You, you can insert your own saying there, but the truth of the matter is, is that when you, when I say you, I'm looking at you individually, and I've got three fingers pointing back at me. So I'm not judging you. I'm saying to myself, when you decide to take ownership of your stuff, when you decide to take ownership of your sin and do better, that will change the world more than anything. Because you will change yourself, and somebody else will see that, and they'll join you in that. I share this quote to take my previous statement one step further. Just as each American is accountable for their own actions, every person, every person will be accountable for their decision to accept or reject Jesus Christ. You see, your decision right now in this moment, your decision right now in this moment and every moment is to live in sin or to live for Him. And everything that you decide to do right now, even if some of you are thinking about what you're going to do when I be quiet and we can get out of here. If, you, if you're missing this whole, whole point here, that, that's okay. But let me just tell you what, you're either living in sin or living for Him. And look, you made a huge step. You put on your clothes, you hopefully cleaned up, and you, you put on whatever you had, and you came to church, and you came to a place to worship the Lord and to hear God's Word read. You made a good choice, but the minute you walk out of this place, you have to make another choice, and another choice, and another choice. Contrary to what some believers say, you cannot do both. You cannot live, live in sin and live for Him at the same time. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's not in my notes, so just take it for what it's worth. When the sky went dark, when Jesus was on the cross, and the earthquakes happened, it is when your sin, your sin and my sin, was placed on Jesus Christ. And it's believed that when it got dark... And the earthquake happens because God had to turn his face from his own son because our sin was upon him. And my friends, if God cannot look at his son with sin in his life, what makes you think he can look at you and me? It's time for the Christian to be serious about repentance and forgiveness and holiness that comes with rest. Also, don't be too smart for your own good. Look at verses 25 to 27. It says, At that time, Jesus said this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think of themselves wise and clever, for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, a Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son, 
and those for whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Folks, the Bible calls being wise in our own eyes. You know what another word for that is? It starts with a P. It's called pride. It's called pride. And yes, many seeking Christ, to many that's foolishness. They would rather resolve and rely on themselves. But isn't it amazing to see that Jesus levels the playing field by saying the self-proclaimed wise people that thought that they were better than Jesus cannot see Jesus for who he is, God's son. Then we come to one of the, I would say, top ten used scriptures in the Bible. I know you've said it for yourself and you've said it to others, but I think sometimes we take it grossly out of context. After Jesus has said all of this, he goes into this. He says in verse 28, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Amen, preacher. Preach that on. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Folks, Jesus invites you to rest. Jesus invites you to rest. How does he invite us to rest? He invites us to rest in the physical sense. Most will identify with the verse during times of stress or burnout or fatigue or anxiety. But let's face it. Why do we go through these things? Why do we go through stress? Why does God bring adversity into our lives? Because he brings us to the point to where we realize we are not self-sufficient and that we need help and that we cannot carry our burdens by ourselves anymore. Some of you, you look great today, but your shoulders are broken with the burdens that you have been carrying. Somebody that's watching this, whether live or later on, some of you are burdened today and carrying stuff that you didn't want to deal with today. You see, many were living under the burden of this. And let's face it, God brings us all to the point where we realize that we can't carry our burdens anymore. My friend, God does put more on you than you can handle. Do not ever believe anyone that says, well, God won't put any more on me than I can handle. Where is that in the Bible? It's not. It is a gross interpretation of 1 Corinthians 10:13, which talks about when you are under temptation, God will give you a way to bear it or get out from under it. It has nothing to do with bearing the burdens of life. Jesus says, look, come to me. Take my yoke. So you can find rest in the physical sense, but you can also find rest in the spiritual sense. Remember the context from which Jesus even said this. Many were living under the burden of a religious law that no one could be good enough. They were rejecting Jesus Christ, and they felt like they had to keep all of these rules so they could be in right with God. The religious law gave the precepts of how to know when you are right or wrong, but Jesus brings the gift of making us right with God. Look at the Ten Commandments like this. What does a red sign with the letters S-T-O-P mean on it? Come on. Good. 
Not slow to optional pause, all right? That is not, that is not what it is. And don't tell a trooper that either. They will not appreciate it. How do you know it's a stop sign? Well, I just always knew it. There was at some point you had to take a test if you're driving. You had to take a test and tell them what that sign meant. And so you pull up to an intersection. If there is a red sign that says STOP on it, you need to hit the brakes. Here's the thing. The Ten Commandments, they told us they were the stop signs. They told us, look, here are the boundaries. This is right and this is wrong. But ultimately, you decide if you're going to obey it or reject it. And the thing is, is that the law convicts us, but Jesus saves us. Don't be burdened by the thoughts that you are not good enough. Don't be burdened by the thoughts that you think God could never forgive you after what you've done or that God doesn't love you. My friend, Jesus invites you, no matter where you are in your life, to come to him today and find rest physically, but more important, find rest spiritually. To be able to rest in the fact that Jesus has died for your sin. Rest in the fact to know that this is the only hell you're going to have to go through. Because when he comes back, you will be with him in heaven. And also, rest does not mean retirement. Some of the worst things that I've seen is when someone retires, they get in their their lazy boy and they never get out of it again. And they just die quickly. Resting is not retirement. The rest that Jesus gives is exactly what you need in the moment. And the motivation for you to keep pressing on. You see, we cannot take a vacation from our faith. There are days where I felt like, man, this is tough being a Christian. I'm just going to take this jacket off, this Christian thing off. I'm just going to put it right here and I'm going to live like I want to. And then when I need it, I'll come back and get it. It don't work like that, does it? Once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he is in there and he's in there for good. Now, you can grieve him. You can reject him. But you will have to answer for that. But what we see here is that Jesus invites you to come and rest. And rest does not mean retirement. Folks, we can't take a vacation from our faith. Look at the yoke he talks about. What does he say in that passage? Take my yoke. Right? And that's, I'm not yoking. I get it. Okay, just make sure you're listening. That was a terrible joke. But I just want to make sure you're listening. But Jesus says, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Folks, what is an oak? An oak. Oak is a tree. A yoke. (laughs) A yoke on an oxen does not do the work for an oxen. What they do is they take this yoke and they put two oxen on it. And so the, the yoke, what it does is it shares the load between the two animals. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying, look, sit down in your lazy boy. I got this. He's saying, look, strap on my yoke and let's do this together. I will bear your weight. I will make it easier on you. But I need you to serve with me. You can find rest today knowing that you're not alone. And like the disciples in the boat on the lake. You remember that story? The disciples, they, they withdrew because they were doing all this ministering and they, they withdrew because they were wanting some time to rest. And Jesus says, hey, guys, get in that boat. 
and I'll ride with you. So they get out into the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you know the rest of the story. The disciples were scared. The, the professional fishermen were scared. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. But here's what I want you to understand, folks. I'm, I'm almost done, trust me. So hang in there. The thing about the boat is, is that Jesus is the one that sent them in the boat. And Jesus is the one that was with them in the boat. So when you take Jesus' yoke, that means he is with you. You are not alone. Do not believe the lies of the devil. That if you are a believer in Christ, you are yoked to him and he will pull the weight. It's not you alone, but he is sharing the load with you. He has sent you to it. He is walking with you through it. And He will see you through it. Amen. Last but not least, rest is eternal. Rest is eternal. We must remember the context in which Jesus was speaking. He was addressing the fact that many were rejoicing, or excuse me, rejecting. Many were rejecting Him and that their judgment would be to go down to the place of the dead, which meant Hades which eventually is hell. The rest a believer will enjoy, the rest that you can enjoy today as a believer in Jesus Christ, is to have the faith and the knowledge that our last breath on earth means our next breath will be with Jesus in heaven. My friends, I have officiated and went to a lot of funerals. A lot of funerals. And for those where they are believers, although there is grief, there is rest. Knowing that we're not saying we'll never see you again, but it's a we'll see you later. We can rest in that fact that Jesus beat death. And as we follow Jesus, we will surely beat it as well. This is what allows believers to face death without fear. I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. And, and so uh, I, I talk about, sometimes I talk about the wreck that our church bus was in, and, and I remember, and Donna doesn't like when I share this. So, But I can remember as the bus went on its side and we're sliding down 85. I thought to myself, this is the way I'm going to go. And I was totally cool with it. I could rest in the fact of knowing this is not the end. But praise the Lord, God had a different, a different plan. And many of us have, have seen God work in mighty ways. But you don't know you're going to be ready until you know, right? So you can find rest spiritually and eternally. So find rest for your weary soul today, folks. We're all driving down the interstate of life at blazing speeds. Life can be busy and it can be complicated. I can hear you now. Preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't. Holy Spirit does. One of the best things you can do today is to find rest. And rest is found in Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Him. So Jesus invites you to come to Him today, whether it be for the first time or the next time. Will you accept His invite? The choice is yours. Let's pray. God, Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for reminding us as believers that we need to find rest. 
Not rest in the sense of getting a new mattress or taking a vacation, but Lord, finding true rest in our faith in you. God, rest was so important that you modeled it for us by working for six days and resting on the seventh. Lord, may we take that seriously. May we take our faith seriously. And if there's anyone here today that wants to find rest for their soul, may they not leave today before they talk with me or someone they trust or their pastor and find rest by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. By all the things that they have done, being forgiven and starting new today. Or maybe there's a believer here today. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are a Christian. But they also know they've let a lot of junk get in their lives. Today they can unload it. They need to put down their yoke and take up yours. Thank you for your word, God. And if there's any decisions, you'll be given the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Thank you.